What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're up listening to episode 183. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler, but also with, I guess I'm going to call you writer, producer, and Red Wings historian, Keith Gave. How are you doing tonight, Keith? I'm well, thanks. Uh, and, and a beat writer for the Detroit Free Press for 15 years covering the Red Wings. Yeah, Keith, you've been all over the place. Huh. Um, I, I, I mean, it's, I'm looking at your Wikipedia article. I'm like, what has Keith done this whole time? And what really, I'm like, and then I read and I'm like, wait, Keith, how do you go from NSA agent to uh, hockey beat writer for the Detroit Free Press? It's a great uh, question, really. You know, I, I, it, it starts with learning Russian in the first place, guys. And uh, the only reason I wound up in Russian language school in Monterey, California, at the Defense Language Institute in 1971 was because I got a letter from Richard Nixon in December of 1970 saying, greetings, I was drafted. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't want to go to Vietnam. Instead of being drafted for two years, I enlisted for four years on the condition they sent me to Russian language school. I went to Monterey, California, while everybody else was going to Southeast Asia to become a bullet stopper, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah, that's probably a great decision. It, it, you know, it was a, uh, serendipitous. You know, I, I, uh, I made it through the program. I went to a spy school and an intelligence school in Texas uh, for about six months. And then I wound up in West Berlin when the wall was still there, working on, at a state-of-the-art uh, uh, spy station run by the NSA, uh, basically keeping track of the bad guys on the other side of the wall. I didn't know you could tell them. I didn't know you could say, hey. I don't want to go to war, so let me do something else. <laughs> it was it was either that or go to Canada, and oh, okay. Canada wouldn't have me. So <laughs> there, were, there were too many draft dodgers going to Canada. I feel like your army intel stories are a lot better than mine. I was I was army intel uh, all source intelligence for just over thirteen years. Real for thirteen years. Where were you stationed? <laughs> I was most I was guard out of Ohio, but I had a couple of deployments to Kuwait, Iraq, and then also Afghanistan. So you're right. MI, not I, I was ASA. You're MI, right? Yep, yeah. straight MI. Got it. Got it. Well, good for you. 13 years. Why, why just 13? Because uh, my back said it was time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a medical discharge? Yeah. Yep. Good. Well, good for you. Well, thanks for your service, man. Yeah, appreciate Welcome it. Welcome home. Oh, thank you. So so how do you go from that to, to beat writing, especially hockey beat writing? Yeah, you know, uh, I I got out of the Army in 1977 with my honorable discharge. And about two weeks before that, I got my bachelor's degree from Kansas State University. My last duty station was Fort Riley, Kansas. And I went to I went to school my last year and a half at uh, Kansas State University, compiled enough credit hours uh, uh, to, for them to kindly give me a degree. And I uh, went immediately to Michigan State University in the graduate program in Russian. I thought I was going to, you know, maybe get a master's degree and a PhD, whatever degrees I needed to teach the language one day. And I figured out pretty quickly that um, the the, uh, the jobs that the very few jobs uh, for Russian instructors at the university level go to Russians who emigrate to this country, who know the language yep. by heart. Right. <laughs> Amer um, not enough Americans study foreign languages uh, and, and especially they don't study Russian because it's too hard. And so I, I realized pretty quickly that no matter how many degrees I got, I was never going to go to get a job teaching Russian. So I jumped to the program in journalism, thinking maybe I could be a, a foreign correspondent one day, use my language skills that way. So I took a three or four, five, maybe, I think I might have completed five journalism classes. I got a part-time job at the Lansing State Journal. 
on the sports desk, on the prep desk, writing Friday night football scores. You know, those little one paragraph stories <laughs> yeah. you used to wind up in Saturday morning's newspaper. Yeah, that's what happened. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I did that for, I did that for, uh, for a few months and actually I, my, I walked into the newsroom in August of, uh, 78 in the spring of 79, the, uh, city, the city editor offered me a job as a city desk reporter, a news reporter on the city side. Uh, and basically they saw no promise in me and I was a little older. I was, I'd spent six, six and a half years in the army. So I was, uh, I, I was a little older and uh, a little bit more mature, and they thought they saw enough in me that they might be able to groom me to become a decent reporter. So I I, I took the job, and I spent uh, about two and a half years at the Lansing State Journal. Then I went to the AP Chicago, uh, the bureau there where I, where I wrote the news, sports, business, everything. Spent about two years in Chicago, and uh, mm-hmm. um, the the uh, Associated Press was going to send me to Moscow. It worked exactly the way I thought it was supposed to work, the, the way I'd planned it, except I, I accepted the job to, to, to go to Moscow. And then a couple of days later, I, I told my bosses I couldn't take that job now. My father was pretty sick with cancer at the time. And my mom said, you have to go to Europe, back to Europe now. You know, your dad's pretty sick. And I said, you know what, mom, I don't have to. I resigned from the AP. I came home to Detroit. I got a, 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 a summer of 1984. Talk to the folks at the Free Press. They said, sure, we'd like to have you. Why don't you help us cover this baseball team here in Detroit this summer? They're off to a pretty good start. And so I helped. I was like the fifth man in all summer long covering a World Series champion baseball team. That's wow. how I got my start at the Free Press. And then when that was over, they they put me back on the city desk. I spent a year as a news reporter uh, at the Free and uh, it was the summer of 85 when all kinds of stuff was were happening with the Detroit Red Wings, uh, where the um, two jobs came available on the Free Press Sports Desk at that time. Uh, the, the NBA job covering the Pistons, the NHL job covering the, the, the Red Wings. And uh, I threw my name in a hat with, uh, I'm sure, hundreds of other people, right? And um, a sports editor you know, called me in. We had a conversation. He said, he said, if you had your choice between Pistons or Red Wings, which would you take? And I said, I think I'd take the Red Wings. He said, why? They're terrible. And they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I said, because they seem to, they always find a way to make news. And I'm a news guy. You know, I can get the Red Wings on page one of the newspaper, probably more than any, any other team we, we have in Detroit. Anyways, he hired me to uh, to cover the Red Wings in the, uh, the, it was about Labor Day weekend in 1985. And as you remember, 85, 86, that was my first year covering the Red Wings. Worst season in the history of their franchise. We had a lot to write about. We uh, had no question about it. But that was the that was the summer that Peter Klima defected from Czechoslovakia. They signed five college free agents, among them Adam Oates, the only one that could play. And um, and they they got accused of tampering uh, by three NHL clubs for signing three NA, uh, three NHL players from other teams. Nine new guys. Listen. Sports Illustrated, <laughs> Sports Illustrated came to camp in Port Huron at uh, McMoran Auditorium, uh, where the the Red Wings have training camp. Sports Illustrated came to a big spread about the Detroit Red Wings spending all this money. This the pizza guy in Detroit spent all this dough uh, to make a bad pun. The Sports Illustrated, anyways, they the SI predicted the Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup. They finished. Uh, with 40 points, 17, 57, and six. They fired two coaches. 
that was my indoctrination to, uh, and by, by the way, they were bad enough that I, uh, I, they were on page one frequently that summer, that season because firing coaches and everything else. I mean, but you could only go up from there. I mean, exactly. right? you, you start exactly. out on the easiest place to start is the bottom floor. Well, listen, then they hired a, 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 a funny little French guy, coach Jacques Demers, and they <laughs> went to the final four the next two years. They went to, you know, they were played, they played in an awful Norse division. They, they won their division two years in a row. They, they had the opportunity to play Wayne Gretzky's Edmonton Oilers in the semifinals the next, you know, those two years in a row. Uh, but the, the town went bonkers. The team was so bad for so long. Now they're in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Are you kidding me? It was kind of fun to cover the team then, I'll tell you that. I say, when was it around that time frame that the cars were stopped? They stopped giving away the cars. Yeah, was it, was it right before, before Jacques Demers got there? Yeah, it was just before my first year, actually. It was right was after it? Illich bought the team. That, when, you know, he, he spent literally about two to three million dollars of his own money of cash. The rest was inherited debt. And the team's worth what? How much now? A billion dollars, whatever, whatever it is. Or uh, more, more pretty, yeah. Pretty, or more, yeah. Uh, but you know, he he bought the team and they had a, a season ticket base of about 2,500. He said, we got to get, you know, we got to start selling tickets. And he started, uh, this was, I would have been, I think it was be the 84, 85 season, maybe the 83, 84 season, right? He he gave a new, a brand new American made car mm-hmm. away uh, at every, every game. So, I mean, what's your chances of winning the lottery is like, you get one of, lightning. I just went by this up one in 330 million. Yeah, the chances of, of being the chances of winning a car, what in what one in 15,000 if you're in a crowded Joe Louis Arena? Pretty Best darn good. odds. Yeah. Best odds. Now, yes. That's one thing I was I'll never forget because my dad always told told me about how back in the day, Dead Wings era, they were they were they would give cars away to try to get people coming yep. to games. It that, works. That's, that's it fantastic. Works. Sure. In a few years, I mean the, the the year the first year I covered it, they they were pretty bad, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the next couple of years. After the second time that they went to the um, Stanley Cup semifinals, they had a season ticket base of about 16500 They had to cut off so they could have <laughs> enough for walk-up sales, right? Yeah. Um, and they, um, they, had, they had a waiting list of years to get mm-hmm. to be able to buy season tickets once upon a time. It was that's how crazy, how, how, how excited fans were that they finally got a decent hockey team to follow. So as everyone, and then it gets interesting from there and everyone knows. So 1989, uh, yep. you're real good friends with Jim Lights. Uh, and Jim Lights <laughs> asks you to go talk to Sergey Fedorov and Vladdy. Right. And uh, I mean, that's really where it all begins to put together that kind of that dream team that goes on the crazy runs and just accomplishes so much stuff. And in that time, I mean, how... I guess, how scared were you at that time to go back and forth uh, doing those kind of secret conversations? Yeah, I, I, I guess I wasn't scared. Um, if, if he were to ask me to go to Moscow and do that, I would have been scared, especially with my military background. I would have mm-hmm. I would have got I would have wound up in a gulag, I'm sure. Uh, I, what frightened me the most was not getting the job done, not making contact, not pass along the messages. That's the part that I, I worried about. I mean, listen, here's the, the gig was this, you know, hop in an airplane, write a couple of letters, one to Sergei and one to Vladdy in Russian so they could understand them. I got off the airplane at, at four o'clock in the afternoon. I know there's a hockey game in about three hours somewhere in the city in, of Helsinki, but I don't know where it is. 
I'm asking around in the airport trying to figure out where there might be a hockey game. A guy at the uh, currency exchange window suggested I try, you know, this. He, he said, I heard a, one of our club teams is playing the Soviet national team in a, in a, a friendly, you know, a scrimmage game. And um, uh, so I, I, I said, is there a hotel nearby? And he said, yeah, there's a Radisson uh, hotel right across the park. So I hopped in a cab, went to the Radisson, got a room took a quick shower, walked across the park, and I got to the arena just as the Russians were, were uh, uh, getting off the bus. Now I, I, I use my NHL press credential to get in the building. I walk in the coffee shop there, and it's full of NHL people, <laughs> full of NHL people, all of, the, all, all of whom had drafted Russians somewhere along the line were trying to make contact with them, right? I was the one guy in the room who could actually make contact under the auspices of being the re reporter, right? Asking for an interview. Now I had to find it. Now I had to find one of the sponsors, uh, promoters who could get me access, you know, down into the dressing room and uh, maybe, you know, uh, try and have a chance to talk to these guys. I finally, it was this late in the second period where I found somebody. He says, oh yeah. He said, I can, I, I, I think I can help you. But he said, you want to talk to these guys? And I said, well, I'd like to at least meet them. And so on. He said, well, he said, I, I, the Russians won't le yet let you in the dressing room. I said, no, I didn't think so. He said, but maybe I, I can go in and I can ask. He said, but you have to realize they don't cooperate very well with us. And there's a good chance that they're going to say, no, you can't talk to them. I said, that's okay. As long as we try, I'd appreciate that. So he you know, took me down after the game. I'm you know, standing outside across the hall from the dressing room. I got some KGB guy down about 10 feet away from me <laughs> along the wall. Uh, you know, staring at me, uh, trying to figure out, you know, who the hell I was, what I was doing. And, and they brought Sergey and Vladdy out, you know, draped in white towels around their waist, dripping wet. And, uh, uh, I introduced myself, uh, and, uh, made, made, uh, a really quick work of, uh, giving them a little pins to put on their lapel and business cards and explaining. I showed neither one of them had, had, uh, uh, knew that they had been drafted by an NHL team. Really? Now they, they were drafted about six weeks before that. This is way before the internet. Remember? Yeah, no oh, yeah. internet, not yeah. real good TV over in Russia. And and the, and the <laughs> Russians true. didn't exactly share that information yeah. with their players either, right? So, um, I I, I showed Sergey. I said, "There you are, Sergey, fourth uh, in the fourth round, seventy fourth overall, right there, Sergey Fedorov. There you are." And I said, "And Vladdy, you know, here you are, right down here in the eleventh round. I think two hundred twelfth, whatever it was overall." Sergey looked like the guy uh, uh, who would really be hard to play cards against <laughs> because he showed no emotion at all. Vladdy was like the little kid who got the bike for Christmas, right? Just hopping all <laughs> over the place, really excited. And I fell in love with it with Vladdy right away, just by his reaction. And, um, and then, then I, I gave him a like a little media guide uh, that I, that I tucked my message into that I'd written to those guys. And uh, it was uh you know, I, I realized at the time, at that moment, that I didn't really hide the message very well. It was it was <laughs> kind of obvious what was going on. Anyway, Sergey grabbed his uh, his copy and he's he looked down and he's thrumming through the pages and he sees the message that I had put in there. Closed the book, put it behind his back, and that's when I realized I had to get the hell out of there pretty quick. And I kind of shook their hands and said, uh, you know, thank you very much. It was great talking with you. I, I, we won't do a formal interview. Now you guys are cold. They had goosebumps all over their body. There's a sheet of ice right behind us. And um, so it, it was, 
I, I said goodbye, said, said my thank yous, and I left the building. And then I walked around the city of Helsinki for about three hours, looking over my shoulder, making sure I wasn't being followed before I went back to my room. But it was like it was a mission accomplished uh, kind, kind of or was it mission mission impossible. You, you were you know, Tom you, Cruise in this story. <laughs> well, it was I, to to um, to, get, to get all that done. Uh, you know, in three hours beforehand, I didn't know, even know where, where you know where I could find a hockey game. I was pretty lucky, but I was but I was mostly scared. To answer your question again, that I wouldn't get I'd I'd spend you know this time and this money and whatever and not not be able to pass along the message. I yeah. got the message passed and, you know, it was, um, and I was, uh, I was on thin ice ethically. I was working for the Detroit free, free press at the time. I was doing a favor for the team that I covered kind of a no, no, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To get stuff. Uh, but I, you know, I justified it this way. Basically I said, Jim, I, I you know, lights, I'll, I'll, I'll do this for you on one condition. That if and when these guys come over here, I want to be your first phone call. I want the news first for my readers at the Free Press. And he said, "Done, deal." So it was about that was uh, it was in or mid August that I I made contact with those guys in Helsinki. The following July, I'm sitting at my home. I was living in Dearborn then, and my phone rang. It's about dinner time. I picked it up. I said, "Keith," and I said, "Yeah." I said, "This is Jim Lights." I said, "Oh, hi, Jim. How you doing?" He said, great. He said, I'm on Mr. Realich's airplane flying back from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Guess who's sitting next to me? I said, who would that be? And he said, Sergey Fedorov. I said, oh, great. I shoved my plate away. <laughs> I grabbed my notebook. I started taking notes, you know, and doing about a 10-minute interview. And then I hung up the phone. I looked at my watch, and I called not my sports editor at the Free Press. I called the city desk. And... Uh, they got a harried city here. We're, we're not very far from first edition deadline at that time. I said, this Keith gave, he said, yeah, well, what do you want? And I said, I got it. I said, what do you got? What do you got going on page one tomorrow? He said, why do you care? I said, <laughs> I said, because whatever you got, I'm going to blow it out of the water. He said, what is it? I said, there's a Soviet defector on his way from the Goodwill games in, in Pacific Northwest on his way to Detroit to play hockey for the Detroit Red Wings. His name is Sergei Fedorov. Long pause. <laughs> then I hear, you got 35 minutes, hung up the phone. <laughs> and so I got my laptop out and I would type my ass off for 35 minutes. I hit the button. I sent it to sent my story to the free press the next morning, about 6.15 in the good old days. Remember the good old days when the newspaper landed on your doorstep seven days a week? Yeah, mm-hmm. a kid with a bike drive by and throw yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like that, like that. Yeah. Anyway, my my, my newspaper landed on my uh, my porch. I went out and looked at it, and there it was, page one above the fold. Soviet defector on his way to Detroit to play for the Red Wings, and that's how the Russian Five got started. And wow. you got to have that framed somewhere, right? That that uh that front page newspaper article. You know what? I don't. Oh. I, wish, I don't. I I I was never. I never really fell in love with my own work to, to save that kind of stuff. I kind of wish I had. I'll have to check my basement. I have a whole box of Red Wings newspapers <laughs> you got downstairs. It, I'll, pay you for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a look. I know I have the, uh, I have one of the printing plates of Iserman uh, holding up the Stanley cup. Oh, yeah. So, I've got that for my, my father-in-law. Give me one of those. Yeah. I have one of those as well. Yeah. Good, good, good. But that all led, I mean, it all goes from there. I mean, it's just tons of stories, enough where you did write the Russian Five, a story of espionage, uh, defection, bribery, and courage as a mm-hmm. book, and then produced and wrote on the film, which was an awesome, I mean, the, the film was just amazing. 
And now, yeah, so there's that book. For those who aren't watching on YouTube, Ryan's holding it up. But now you have Vlad the Impaler, which is your new book. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, yeah, uh, and thanks for asking me about that. Uh, About a year ago right now, uh, my former uh, boss at the Free Press sports editor, Gene Myers, uh, was he called me and said, hey, we're, we're putting together a book um, um, commemorating the 25th anniversary of this se- this past season, right? Of uh, the 97 Stanley Cup championship yep. season. And we're wondering if you would contribute some things. We'd like you to have a Russian five presence and, and maybe some other things as well. And I said, sure, but I said, I don't want to just copy and paste the chapter out of the Russian five book into this book. I, I, I'd like to kind of re, reshape it, you know, update it, whatever I could to make it something, at least give the readers a little bit of something different to read that they have, ha- hadn't already read in the book. And so I got my two bins of research out and I started looking through all this material that I had, all these interviews that I had stacked up. And I'm realizing how much good stuff I had left over that I wasn't able to get into the Russian five book that we certainly weren't able to get in the film. And, uh, and, and also, guys, there was this going on. It was uh, Je- 1st of July last year that the insurance laws in Michigan changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, people with catastrophic injuries like Vladimir Konstantinov and about 18 to 20,000 other people were in jeopardy of losing their coverage to such a point that Vladdy's daughter, Anastasia, created a GoFundMe page, the uh, Vladimir Konstantinov Special Needs Trust. Uh, to raise a couple of bucks to ensure that he kept, you know, the kind of, he got everything that he needed, got the care that he needed and so on. And that's still in danger, by the way. There's yeah. a chance that he could lose this coverage. The insurance companies now are paying 55 cents on a dollar. A lot of people who are in that that uh, home health care um, business used to making 30, 35 bucks an hour are now making 15 or 18 bucks an hour. Yeah. They can make more money at McDonald's, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're leaving the business and uh, and these small companies uh, designed to help people with catastrophic injury who needs that help are uh, they're losing money. And uh, and there's a chance Vladdy's um, his um, uh, attorney, Jim Belanca, good, uh, good man. Uh, he was in the unrivaled documentary for, for a, a few minutes. But mm-hmm. there's a you know, he said there's a legitimate concern. That if Vladdy ha- does wind up in a, an institution, in a, like a nursing home type, yeah, facility, assisted living, assisted living, that he may not survive. He may not survive. He's a big. He's still a big, strong guy. Yeah. His is. I shook shook his hand recently. It's still as strong as it was the night that they won the Stanley Cup in '97. And he's he's he has a little bit of a temper. He's a little bit uh, Vladdy, right? And mm-hmm. uh, when he doesn't get his way, he can act out a little bit. The people around him who take care of him do take care of them. They know how to take care of them. What if he winds up in an assisted living where they don't know yeah. him? He doesn't know them. Uh, what do they do in a situation like that? They strap you down or they dope you up. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they worried that if that happens, that, that it, it, he'd have a hard time surviving. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping with the uh, sale of this book, uh, raising awareness, uh, I'm dedicating a, Big chunk of the proceeds uh, from from the royalties to 
um, uh, his his trust fund yeah. that his daughter set up, and ma- just basically raise awareness so that other people might as 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 well. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that was like I said wasn't in the in the Russian Five mm-hmm. book. One of the very best things. Uh, where I know you want to get to the, the film Unrivaled in a second. Remember that? Remember what they uh, they uh, interviewed the referee in that? Uh, yeah, yep. Paul Dvorsky. Yeah. Yep. And, they, yep. and they give Dvorsky just a couple of snippets of line. It looked like he was very, very uh, careful about what he said. Well, when I spoke to Paul Dvorsky, <laughs> he, I, he it was on a Sunday evening. He might have had a couple of pops when he returned my phone call. <laughs> But it, there's a chapter in here where he gets very, very honest, very, very blunt about why he didn't kick Darren McCarty out of that game. Why McCarty was still in the game to score the overtime game winner. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the candidness with which he spoke and the bluntness the, the, with which he spoke was refreshing. And I, I know I'm the only reporter he's ever talked to and told that whole story that way. And that's in, in the Vlad the Impaler book. So that's probably something DMAC doesn't even know unless he's read it yet. So we'll have to uh, let DMAC know he needs to go read it so that he can figure out why he wasn't booted. And and Darren is actually the kicker to that story, by the way. It's uh, it's it's the listen. I'm proud of the whole book, but I'm really proud of that chapter. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the the name of the the name of the chapter is Paybacks are a bitch. Yeah, we, we a, love Darren. Darren, uh, he quote. comes on the show quite frequently. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I haven't gotten to that point in the book yet, so now I'm even more excited. I got a late. I got. I bought this at the end of the week when I found out what we were doing. Thank started you. Started getting into it because I knew. I know. I know you sent Greg some copies. I know he's going to touch on that probably here. Yeah. In a little at the bit. end of the show, we'll talk but about the giveaway. I thought appropriate to buy it to do my little piece of it. So good. Listen, so, I was there the uh, the day that the the Wings drafted Darren McCarty in the second round for the Belleville Bulls, right? And. Uh, uh, I, I just remember him being, I'll talk about blunt candid. Uh, he, he, he basically said, I know, he, I know that I was drafted in the second round, but I'm going to be there in Detroit. I'm, you can, you can count on me. I'm going to be there and I'm going to make a difference on that team. This was a, like an 18, 19 year old kid, right? <laughs> he just got drafted and he's just, I, and I, I turned to the PR guy, Bill James at the time. I said, Bill, I said, if this guy doesn't make it in, you know, on the ice, I'd put him in your PR office right now. The guy <laughs> yeah. can talk, right? He's still. And by the way, Darren McCarty does a little bit of radio every now and then, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Every Darren day. McCarty got his start and radio on my show. <laughs> I did. I started it. I started a, a, a hockey show called Ice Time at uh, WDFN, the very first sports talk show in Detroit, AM eleven thirty. Uh-huh. It started in in uh, October August of seventy four. In September, it's August of 94. In September of 94, I started a two-hour show on Monday nights called Ice Time. And then the players went, were locked out. The, yeah. The, it was a, uh, it was a, a the, the, the owners locked them out. That was the first uh, work stoppage, right? Yep. yep. So I'm doing a hockey show in Detroit with no hockey. <laughs> but I, but well, the but, players but, got a lot of free time then. <laughs> they, they, they did. They did. And uh, what they did when, uh, uh, at, at one point, the uh, the Russians, it was uh, 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 Fetisov and Igor Larionov. They weren't even in Detroit yet. Uh, they were playing for other teams. But they got together and they got a team of R- Russian NHL stars. They took them back to Russia 
to play uh, a series of games during the lockout in the fall of 1994. And the big story was Sergei Fedorov and Alexander McGillney were going back with them, the two guys who defected. And oh. McGillney, def the McGillney not only defected, but he went AWOL from the Army. He was still oh. in the service. And he could have been shot as a spy or yeah. as, a, uh, as, a, as a deserter. A traitor. And and, and, and anyways, they took these guys back and, and I went over there. I, I went over there to, uh, with them. I spent three weeks over there then. And um, uh, uh, while I was gone, I had to get somebody to babysit my radio show on Monday nights. So I think I missed two. I missed two shows. Sean Burr did one show. <laughs> the two best talk, the two best talkers in the room. Yeah. Sean Burr did one show. Darren McCarty did my other show uh, in, in the fall of 1994. That was his baptism in radio. Yeah. So no, in other words, what you're saying is we need to get Darren to reincarnate Ice Time with Woodward Sports. Yeah. Now go. he's now he's yeah. on Big D Energy uh, Monday through Friday <laughs> from 11 to one on on YouTube uh, with yeah. Woodward Sports Network. But on Vladdy's Care, uh, we also have a Change.org petition uh, online. If you go to Change.org, if you just Google uh, Change.org and then Konstantinov, it's called Pass House Bill 4486 in support of Vladimir Konstantinov and others. Basically, there is a bill already out uh, that if passed would basically reverse the decision to cut the care. Um, I, there's a whole write-up on it uh, that I put out there on change.org. So you can check that out. And then Thank again, you. if you go to redbubble.com and search the grind line, we have a t-shirt out and then 100% of the revenue from that t-shirt. It's basically an outline of Vladdy on the top and it says beat them. And it's really cool. I saw uh, it. It looks great, man. And, and it looks great. I, I saw it printed and it looks even better. I was worried about the design on the computer and I saw it on a shirt and it looks awesome. Um, but 100% of the proceeds mm -hmm. from that design will also go um, to Vladdy. There's been a lot of sold. So it was exciting to see how quickly and yeah. how oh, yeah. passionate people were to get behind yeah. that one. That was awesome. Yeah. What's up? It's Greg here from the Grindline podcast with a message from Manscaped. Growing out your playoff beard, let that thing loose up top, but our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a jumbo Joe downstairs. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoff season. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE. Shaving your ball starts with the perfect package for your package, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight. When you need a more precise shave, the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is also included in this package, which is also waterproof, uses skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs. There is no more pinching. There is no more pulling. There's no more crying because you're ripping out your nose hairs. Shaves them clean off with no issues at all whatsoever. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your legs from end to end. No one will be chirping you anymore. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a moost. Manscaped even threw in their Shed Travel Bag. Amazing bag, super soft, has just enough room for all the tools plus some extras. It's not too big. Uh, my problem is generally that the bags are too small and cannot fit everything, so I end up throwing extra stuff in a backpack. This bag is just the right size. The boys will be buzzing this Stanley Cup lineup from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon fighting your bush with the wrong trimmer. Choose the right tools for the job this playoff season with Manscaped. 
but I want to get your thoughts, like you said, on Unrivaled. I thought the documentary was phenomenal. And I then tried. just to see Vlad, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to see him at the end actually sit down. And I, I cannot recall another interview with him before this. Right. And just to sit down and ask him questions and him answer and to go through the care that he needs and everything. And just to show he's still got that kind of Vladdy personality to him. Right. Um, like he cheats at Uno. It's just, it's a funny, it, it was a funny thing, but it was also very, it, like, like Ryan said, it's a super touching kind of just tribute to him in an, in an update on his situation. But that had to have been incredibly, one, incredibly hard for them to do. And two, I think it just shows that, I mean, they're, for a guy they thought was not going to live, to show how right. far he's come right. since then to where he is now. Uh, no question. It would have killed most of us. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. there were very few people who could have survived that. Vladdy's one of them. Absolutely. I agree. And I'll tell you what, I, I as proud as I am of the, um, the Russian five documentary. Uh, and, and I thought we, we, we did a pretty good job with that. We tried like hell to get, uh, his attorney, Jim Belanca and his wife, um, to, uh, uh, allow us to interview Vladdy like that. Yeah. But we were, a we were a startup, uh, you know, independent document. You weren't ESPN in the, mm -hmm. versus ESPN, right? Yeah. I mean, I can understand why they agreed to do it with ESPN and why they didn't do it with us. We we could have done the same thing. We should have been able to do the same thing. I'm glad that ESPN did it. Uh, did I did I did I cry? Well, of course, you know. I mean, it was it, it felt through it. And listen, I get tears in my eyes every time I see Vladdy. Every time I see him, still, you know, he'll look at me, Keith, Keith, you know, hey, Keith, you know, and, and he'll uh, he'll shake my hand and we'll speak a few words in Russian and in English and so on. And, uh, you know, I always walk, walk away wiping, wiping yeah. uh, tears. And I, I cry. I've probably seen the Russian Five documentary 60 or 70 times. I cry every time. And the same with Unrivaled. Um, you know, that was just extremely touching. It was great that they were able to get him to, you know, ask him questions and they read the questions registered with him and he mm -hmm. gave, you know, he grunted, you know, some one or two word answers, but it was perfect. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, was. He I mean, answered awesome. the questions in like the best way possible. I mean, yeah. that's, and that yeah. would have probably been the Vladdy way of answering questions. Anyways. I mean, you saw him Pretty when they much. brought him, when they brought him on stage during <laughs> the Stanley much. cup celebration sure. and he gave like a one sentence answer. I mean, it would have been the same thing. Anyway. And the crowd went wild and listen, no. it was, no, no less than Steve Eisman himself. Yeah, I think he said it during during our uh, during in the documentary, but he said, "This is Eisman, uh, you know the uh, along with Gordy Howe, the greatest, uh, most popular Red Wing in history, yeah. right?" And he said, "He said Vladdy was on his way to becoming the most popular player on our team." Oh yeah. Steve Eisenman said that. You know that that's <laughs> where that's where Vladdy was was that's the status he had. On June 13th, 1997, when he uh, was sat in the back of that limo with that, uh, you know, weed smoking uh, limo jockey who fell asleep at the wheel and uh, crashed into a tree on Woodward Avenue. Um, but, you know, Vladdy was a special guy. I, mean, I interviewed him countless times. And you're right. Uh, to get more than a word or two or three from him uh, <laughs> was, uh, you know, listen, he was a he he, he was a, a Norse Trophy candidate that yeah. that. That, mm -hmm. yep. that year, you know, we said, Vladdy, you know, you're one of the top three the the defensemen in the league. And he said, oh, Leach, Brian Leach, he's going to win it. You know, he should win it. And he was right. He did. 
but Vladdy would Vladdy would have won some Norris trophies. Nick Listrom probably wouldn't have won seven Norris trophies. And yeah. they probably would have split votes and other guys would have, would have won them in some years. But that's how good a defenseman Vladimir Konstantinov was. I think that's the hardest part is thinking about the what if there. Yeah. Especially as they were truly hitting the, the peak. Yeah. Going in 96, 97. Yeah. Broke the curse. Then they just go back to back. I mean, obviously, they still fought it out with Colorado for several more years going through 02, 03. Yep. But you wonder if there's maybe even one more or two more added into that entire mix with him back there, with him and Lindstrom just d- dominating. Or three more. I, I, I agree completely. You know, it's not just not just Vladimir, but Yuri Fisher. They lost yeah. Yuri Fisher mm-hmm. early. In, imagine mm-hmm. a legend Vladdy and Yuri Fisher as a defense pair for four or five years together. <laughs> I mean, it's frightening. And here's the other thing. Listen, they had to. They had to replace somehow try and replace uh, Vladimir Konstantinov. Well, they wound up bringing Chelios in from Chicago. Yep. What did they give up for Chelios? A couple of first round draft picks and another young defenseman, Anders Eriksson, who was, hmm. wasn't going to be the, the, the a first uh, first round defenseman like they thought he was. But they gave up two number one picks. Yeah, you know if they would if if they would have had those number one picks, they they that they didn't have to trade for Chelios if it had kept a healthy Vladimir Konstantinov. Who knows? how they could have continued to yeah. build and, and, mm-hmm. and get even better. I mean, there, there's a lot of what ifs involved for sure, but absolutely. I think they're going to want at least one or two more Stanley cups. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to the whole now Russia thing with, with where they are now. And maybe it's kind of, maybe it'll go back to the same kind of situation. Maybe teams are going to have to sneak players out again. Uh, because if you saw in the news that uh, Russian goalkeeper Ivan Fedotov uh, was supposed to go to the Philadelphia Flyers camp, uh, he was detained. And uh, I guess they said it was evading military service and was not mm-hmm. allowed to come over. I yeah, know. Wasn't that the fear with Kaprizov, too? Well, yeah. Now, were, Kaprizov is still thing? in Russia. Um, there were is he reports over there? I that, thought he was back here. Yeah, he's, he's over there. Yeah, there okay. were reports that he came back and then they were they were um, they said, no, he's he's still over there, but he's OK, they said. But I mean, I guess it's for how long and if they let him come back now, guys like Artemi Panarin cannot go back to Russia because of statements they've made in the past. And if he goes back there, he's going to be in, in a lot of trouble. They probably won't let him leave again either. So I guess it's it, with how the war is going in Ukraine and everything and in the stance Maybe they're trying to keep their players more now. I guess he he's going to probably, if he wants to play, going to have to play for uh, CSKA Moscow. He helped them win the Gagarin Cup. Right. So I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of want to get your thoughts on on the state of Russian players today because the Red Wings even drafted a Russian in Dmitry Bachelnikov this past mm-hmm. draft. He's playing for the Scott St. Petersburg junior team. Right. So I'm hoping that, and I, he was a high pick, 52 overall round two. I'm hoping that, there's no issues with players coming over because back then it was kind of a, the, the NHL was still the best league on in the planet and people, they wanted to leave Russia to come. There's more opportunity, more money over here. And it's the right. same now. And it might go back to being harder to get them over. Well, I think that's what we're facing right now. Uh, listen, it feels to me like they're making up the rules as they go along over there right now. Uh, they want to keep Fedotov over there. Uh, because he's a really good goaltender. Very and there good. is no transfer agreement right now. There's no transfer agreement between the KHL and the NHL. 
they they need to uh, players need to play out one contract in one league before they can you know c- come and s- sign with the NHL, and um, you know they want to keep him there, and they're using the the military uh, evading the military as a uh, as as a as a reason. Yep. Um, and and I think you know could they do that with Kaprizov? Probably they could. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think what we're going to find is few, fewer Russian-born players are going to go back there in the off season to you know because there's a chance they might not come back here. This is not going to go on forever. No. Right. Um, and I think you know the Wings are playing the long game. They drafted you know spent a high draft pick on a Russian kid, and he's going to get over here sooner or later. And uh, uh, even if <laughs> even if they have to sneak him out again, you know, I mean, you know, we might be back to the, something like that. And by the way, uh, Jim Lights now works for the Dallas Stars. I don't know if they drafted any Russians or not, but I'm available to go pass messages along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it's. I don't think we we have this iron curtain thing going on again. But it's it, you know the the uh, the rules that that we were operating under from about 1992 or three until very recently don't apply anymore. I mean, the guy running that country is a bit of a uh, uh, a wild card. He yeah. Just, never, and, you know, and he, and he fashions himself as a hockey guy. Yeah, I've seen the uh, the videos of him very slowly skating up to a goaltender and then the goaltender diving out of the way so he can sure. score it. He's a fantastic guy. If, if you're the goaltender, what do you do? Yeah, I live. Yeah, I, I live. Awesome. I live Dallas to play another day. I get out of the way. <laughs> no question. Listen, if, if you ever notice when every now and then we used to see uh, uh, Putin, uh, uh, you know, mucking it up on the ice as a, as a hockey player and, and uh, uh, on the evening news or something like that, you might see a little bit of, of him, but uh, always when he, when you see him around other players on the ice that he's playing with, if you look real quickly, Slava Fetisov is always there, like right next to the guy, right? You know, they're like, uh, Fetisov is, uh, is pretty well connected over there. So maybe that'll be our in, uh, for getting our player out. And then maybe that in, in Iserman was, he asked during his, uh, pre-draft press conference about drafting Russians. And he goes, well, maybe some other teams might have a changed stance on it because of what's going on. He said, but his, his thing was not going, he was not going to change how he drafts people. And I said, well, you you've got Fedorov over there still, and he's he's coaching, and you still you're still connected to him, and you've got Fatisov and Larianov, and you're still connected to them. So they, they, I mean, the team's still got some ins if they need ins to get their players out. Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, so for the stars, uh, Maxim Mayorov, round five, pick 47, a goaltender playing for Tagliati in Russia right now. So you may have to uh, get on the phone with Jim Lights and see if he needs to get his player out. 
Perfect. <laughs> um, so before we sign off tonight, uh, Iserman did make a bunch of moves, even as far as today. Mark Pissick has been, uh, he is out for four to six months with a right. Achilles tendon tear that had to be repaired. And they signed Haig to a contract. Now, I don't think that's a Pissick replacement because Haig is a left defense and Pissick's a right defense. So I'm not sure what they're going to do there. But I mean, Iserman made more moves than I think anyone guessed he was going to. It looks like the team definitely could chase a wild card spot this season. I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the the upcoming season. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, I was astounded really by what he did. I thought he I, I thought we did a couple of signings. Uh, six or seven uh, surprised me, uh, but you know, it wasn't just the number; it was the quality of the people that yeah. he signed mm-hmm. as well, guys. Um, you know, top uh, pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, but the guy you were really going to like is David Perron. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I was shocked that they that they signed this guy. All he does is score goals, and he plays a plays a kind of a with an edge. Um, oh, he pisses you off. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, really like him. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the depth now that they have. Uh, I I liked um, Shrott, Shrott. Another Another guy, big big, strong guy. I mean, we, him with, uh, with a uh, Mo Sider, yep. the, the top pair, they, they just turn Mo loose. He'll just be able to, you know, go up and down the ice and do what he needs to do. And the other, the other end of the ice is well taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you, you got, you got three NHL pairs of defensemen now, Yeah, which, which we is haven't crazy. had for years here. It's crazy. You, you know what we, what we have, we have an NHL player at every position. For the yep. first time in five or six years. Yeah. And and that happened in three seasons. Right right around when Dadzik left is the last time we've correct, had that. Correct. Probably that correct. many players. You know, you go down all the way down to the bottom, the 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 bottom um fourth line, if you want to call it that. I'm not sure that Joe Valeno is gonna crack the top 12. <laughs> but I like yeah. or frankly, I like Michael Rasmussen center in the fourth line with uh Adam Ernie and um uh, Oscar Sunfisk. Yeah, heavy, heavy. We got we got kind of a grind line uh, act two with grind line light. One. Yeah, well, I don't know about light. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know about light. That's a big. <laughs> that's a big, strong, uh, heavy line. I mean, Ernie is your smallest guy at six one two twelve. So Correct. that tells you everything you need right there. When was the last time we had a, a legitimate third pair defense or third line defense? I mean, we've got if if oh, if Edvinson, I was gonna say if Edvinson comes in and plays your second pair, you've got Oli Mata on your third pair, and he's a legitimate defenseman. Yeah. So it's I, gonna be it's it's good times coming up, I think. I, no question, but I, I think we ought to really put the brakes on Edvinson, guys. I I you know because we saw what happened with Maurice Sider, and he surprised the heck out of me. I think I was at this time last year. Let's not expect too much of Maurice Sider. I kept saying that and saying that, and he gave us, he kept giving us more and more and more. It, now people are going to expect the same thing of Edmondson. I it's really unfair. Think he's he's going to need a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to throw him in. No. You give him a little time in Grand Rapids, guys. Oh. Let him get his legs over here. And they got six NHL defensemen. They got seven. You know, they, they can they they can play mm-hmm. around a little bit and and let's see how those got how those pairings go. If they need if, if, if they need some help, let let Edmondson play a, a month or two or three in Grand Rapids and then come to Detroit and see how he does. I, I, I wouldn't want to rush that guy. 
Yeah, it's no. kind of what they did with Cider, too. I mean, Cider played yes. in Grand Rapids. That, yes. that was the path, yeah. It was going to be that way. And he yes. may have still played more in Grand Rapids instead of going over to the SHL if the AHL season had been a sure thing at that point. He may right. have started in Grand Rapids and then come to Detroit later on in the season. Uh, I don't I don't have any issues with Edmondson playing in Grand Rapids. There are going to be some people online that will complain, um, as there are with everything. In Grand Rapids. Yeah, but the Grand Rapids, our Grand Rapids friends will be very, very happy if Ed, if Edvinson plays over there this coming season. Well, listen, we remember it was the Red Wings used to be um, by the time a player came to Detroit, he was overripe, right? Yeah, that's the old, the, the trope, yes. Yeah, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, if anything, we rush guys to Detroit to play when they weren't ready, like Zadina. I worry that he's that... I think he might be a ruined asset by this point. This is, is going to be a make or break for yep. him. Same with Valeno. Yeah. They needed more time at the American League level to kind of get their legs. We expected way too much too soon from those guys, and I'm not sure they're ever going to give it to us now. Well, we saw that with Rasmussen. Yep, a little bit. Yeah, but Raz went back to least Grand Rapids. He did. Because he got in that ugly like back and forth between being right. just young enough, having to go back to the CHL or where whatever league he was in Canadian hockey, but too good and for it. It was no, it wasn't doing him any good. Yeah. So he had to stay in Detroit. But then he got the extra time in Grand Rapids. I think that helped balance him out. But didn't, didn't he look like a different player the last 20, 30 games? Oh of the man, yes. let's this, let's let's hope we get some of that going forward. I think he's going to be fine. Re- remember too, he's a great big guy. Yeah. And, and, and big guys, sometimes it takes them a little longer to get acclimated. To, he's still growing into that big body. He's added some weight and so on. Uh, and he, he had a lot to learn. He finally mm-hmm. figured out, I, I'm going back to Keith Primo. It took Keith Primo a long time before he was ready to play in the NHL with that big, you know, six foot five body of his. Um, Rasmussen too. I think, I, I really think Rasmussen can be a really good third or fourth line center for this team now. That's yeah, I think I once need. you get past the like the fact that he was a first first round pick, like once you get past the fact that he's probably not going to live up to that first round pick, you not just ten pick, kind of hope hope that he becomes an impact player or at least you know someone that can play in the NHL, and I think that's what he's becoming right now. Well, heaven knows they need it. I mean, you look at their draft record in those years there when when they mm. when they when he was drafted in, they don't have a whole lot to show for it, do they? No, Chalowski, no. another guy. Yeah, yep, gone. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's Rasmussen, and they even said at the end of last season, Rasmussen is is forming his identity on this team and yep. becoming an integral part to where if we're making up trade scenarios, Rasmussen's not really in any of our trade scenarios because he is the kind of bottom six player that you need on the team. He's going to become a wall. He's learned to skate much better. Yep. His balance has improved. He can park himself in front of the net and deflect shots. And, yep. and he's mm-hmm. shown even in juniors that he's got really good hands around the front of the net. And he just makes a goalie's life a lot harder. And that's what he's going to do in that bottom six. He's become this year. He became a player like he's a yep. player now. Well, I agree. I mean, he's the closest thing since. Um, uh, <laughs> Who, Homer. <laughs> Homer, Homer, yes, yes. Somebody who <laughs> park in front of the net and uh, you know uh, bounce uh, bounce pucks in off his butt, to, yep. you know, for goals uh, and and block and block the take the eyes away of the goaltender. The, the Wings have lacked that for how long? Yeah, a long time Forever. now. 
I mean, that was their identity for all those years. That's right. Nonetheless, you probably throw the puck in the net, it's sneaking in somehow. Yep. I was going to say, probably since Franzen left, that'd probably yeah. be the Franzen was, one, Franzen was a guy. That's right. You're right about that. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, playoffs this season, Keith? <sighs> you know, here's if it wasn't the Atlantic Division, I'd say, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, listen, I think Boston's going to come back a little bit. Uh, they they got real problems there now, and it's about time. Thank uh, God. End of the cycle. But we got, we got uh, uh, you know, Florida, I still think is pretty darn good. The, 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 oh. the Lightning, Toronto, um, I think it's going to be pr- – they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. I don't yeah. know how they can win in the playoffs or not. Uh, Boston, then if people keep talking about Ottawa getting better. I'm not a believer. We'll see if see if it if, if it happens. But Detroit should be able to compete with the bottom end of those four teams, don't you think? Yeah, oh, I think they at least chase yeah. a wild card spot. I think they can. Honestly, I think they can. Let, let's let, let's let's take baby steps. Let's hope that they play meaningful games. Yep. In early April, mm-hmm. yeah. meaningful games. If they're chasing, if they're in the hunt, then I see progress. It, it'll give the fans a taste and it's yes. going to change the dynamic of LCA. Yes. yes. Because oh, yes. we uh, saw last year in some oh. games, how loud that place it was get, so loud and it's deafening and, and you don't beat the Joe, but I think this year in some of the games that I went to, it, it was pretty damn close, if not louder. And it's impressive. I yeah. mean, opening I night was that, insane. Oh, opening night was incredible last year. Yeah. But I, no, I think it will be this year too. You know, there's, there's some, there's some serious excitement and it's legitimate. And yeah. I can tell you what, uh, uh, people have a lot of faith in his general manager and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to second guess the guy. I'm not going to second guess his, uh, his choice for coach. I mean, uh, Derek Lalonde is a guy that Steve Eisenman hired twice, right? Yep. Yeah. Let's, yeah. uh, I I'm, I'm all in as far as uh, the, the coach is concerned too. Um, you know, let, let's see what happens. But I, I like the looks of this hockey team. Um, and I, listen, I was, I saw the transition at the Joe when they, I, when the went, went, wings went from a really bad team to a team, make the playoffs for the, you know, 25 years in a row and how that crowd got cranked up and, uh, and had some fun. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure that I ever heard a lot of cheer then on March 26, 1997, by the way, <laughs> even I, I think that, that it was even louder than when they won the Stanley cup. And, in, in uh, you know, a few months later, that was, that wow. was pretty wild. Well, we are about to get back to it. I mean, it's going to be, it's yes. just going to be, it's your cycle all over again. It's going to yep. go from being the worst back to the best in a matter of a few seasons. Um, but uh, before we sign off, where can people find you and what's the best, where's the best place to get the book? Well, at Keith gave on Twitter, I guess is, is, uh, and, and the Keith gave.com I'm re, re, redesigning the, the website right now, but, uh, the book is everywhere, you know, Amazon bookstores, wherever you got, get your books, you can, should be able to find, uh, the Russian five and Vlad the Impaler. And in October, I, I have a, a third book out called uh, a miracle of their own about the rivalry between Canada and team USA women's ice hockey. Oh, wow. One of the best rivalries in all of professional sports. It, it, you know what, guys? It I covered a, a big, long chunk of the Detroit-Colorado Avalanche rivalry. Yeah. And these women, when they get after one another, <laughs> it's Oof. as good or better than that. I'm telling you, it's it's fun. And uh, it it made for a really interesting book. That's all. I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. Well, Ryan, final thoughts? 
No, I just want to say thank you for coming on. I mean, everything that you've done in terms of with the Russian five, Vlad the Impaler, I've just started Vlad and the first several chapters are fantastic. It's nice knowing the voices of an Iserman or Shanahan so I can actually make it sound like <laughs> right. that in my head as I'm reading right. through it. But just what you're doing with all this, everything for Vladdy and really also for the fans, like getting them that inside view, it's, it's fantastic. And the fact that you spend time with us is great. Pete says hello, by the way. I texted him a little bit oh, ago. <laughs> yeah. So I told him I'd say hello for you. But uh, but no, I just appreciate it. And uh, for me, Artie Ryan 33. Tyler? Yeah, so my my final thoughts are, Keith, uh, always appreciate you coming on. And, you know, definitely a lot of insight there and some stuff that I've never heard for sure. But uh, And then I guess my final thoughts are just, I'm just happy to be able to look forward to a hockey season. Not that I don't look forward to hockey season usually, but um, you know, this, this kind of gets me back to, you know, 2015, 16 and, and, you know, before that where, you know, we're expecting a really good hockey team and a team that was going to play important games. And I think that's what we're going to get. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at seal dog 91. I got okay. one thing to tell you. I got yeah. one thing to say to yeah. you, Tyler. Sure. Go green. Oh, no. no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I am also going to parrot everyone. And again, thank you, Keith, for coming on. Uh, we waited too long to get you on. We should have done it way earlier. Um, but we are going to be giving away copies of the book. So Keith was kind enough to send us signed copies of the book. So we're going to do little prize packs. I think what I want to do is kind of like an entry system. We'll do donations to the Vladimir Konstantinov Trust to get entries to win books. And I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, we always get really good responses with our giveaways. And uh, the the Detroit Red Wings, especially Twitter fan base, are one of the most charitable fan bases I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've, as a group, donated tens of thousands of dollars to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Right. Uh, they're always down for, for donations to good causes. And I mean, there's not much of a better cause than this. Uh, so we will be doing stuff there. Like I said, on our website, uh, that Beat Them shirt is still up there. And 100% of the proceeds from that are going to go to Vladdy. Uh, you can find me online at Bringing the Wing. You can find the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the best place to get your Detroit jerseys. Uh, as close to authentic uh, on Ice Authentic as you're going to find. And the people are amazing to work with. We also like to give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use the promo code GRINDLINE, you get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. We're also going to be doing another thing with Bring Hockey Back, where we co-designed a shirt and money from those sales will go to the Ted Lindsay Foundation uh, awesome. to support autism. Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, again, thank you, Keith. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>